text for this morning's sermon is Nathaniel's question to Jesus. How do you know me? This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, a parent asks a child who has done something wrong, why did you do that? Often the child's answer is, I don't know. I don't know. This is often the case because a child, like the rest of us, is predisposed towards sinning. It's our go-to way of doing things since the fall. We don't even think about it. And we don't know why we do what we do because we don't fully understand how impoverished we are as fallen human beings. Likewise, because through sin we are disconnected from God, the identity of our Lord is unknown to us as well. It's why, quote, when he came to his own, his own, his very own people did not receive him. So to cope with our ignorance and depravity, all we can do is make up fictional stories about ourselves and God, not realizing or denying the scope of our incomprehension and corruption. That's what we do. It's our go-to way of, of trying to figure things out. Today, in contrast to all of that, we hear that Jesus knows and sees things about Nathaniel that, as a mere human being, he couldn't possibly know. He couldn't know these things unless, of course, he was the Son of God. And Nathaniel reveals just that that Jesus is the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, the second person of the Holy Trinity who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, while you don't know, and I don't know, Jesus does. How? Jesus is Lord. He's God, omniscient, all-knowing. Now, all of us have asked ourselves at one time or another, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? The answer lies in the abyss, if you will, in the pit of our being. Since the fall, what we do know what we are connected to is evil. To a way of being and acting that is disconnected from the goodness of God. It's an abyss or bottomless pit that we call sin and death. It's why we say things we shouldn't say and do things we shouldn't do. It's in our DNA now, our makeup. 
It's been there since our forebears of humanity, Adam and Eve, believed the lie of the evil one. And what was the lie? You don't need God. You don't need the God who created you. You don't need to have him in your life at all. You don't, you don't have to have anything to do with him because, you know, you're God. That's the lie. So what happened? I'll tell you what has happened. Because of our fall, our disconnection from God, we've become hateful, unhappy, conflicted, mean, selfish, deceitful, brutal, not uninhibited. That's the fruit that is hurled out of the abyss and often out of our mouths, hearts, and lives. Now, while we fail to grasp how far we have fallen, Jesus knows. He knows what we don't know. He does. He knows where we're at. He knows that it's too deep for us to dig ourselves out of. He knows the total depravity of what we have become. He knows it all. The psalmist reminds us of this when he says, as we just sang in that gradual, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know, when I sit down and rise up, he knew that about Nathaniel too, right? Even though Nathaniel was way far away, he knew when Nathaniel sat down under that fig tree, and he knows what you do too. He says, you discern my thoughts from afar, from far away. You know what's going on in my head. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus does. Jesus knows the abyss of our sin and death. And here's why. He experienced it. He experienced it by taking it into himself and then suffering and dying for it. He knows the abyss, the horrors of your sin. He took them into himself. He touched the lepers. He touched the dead bodies. And what he was doing there really was taking it off of us and into himself. And eventually, he got rid of it for us, as only he could do, as only God could do, by burying it in his death and rising victorious over it in his resurrection. Jesus could do that, and he did do that, because Jesus is God. He's from God, intimately connected to him and his goodness.
And he came into the world to be anointed as the Christ to fulfill what was written about him by Moses and, and also the prophets, that he would do everything well. That the Father was pleased with, pleased with him because he did everything the Father gave him to do in thought, word, and deed. He followed the law perfectly. He's the one of whom the prophets spoke, who would do this, the Christ. Now, Nathaniel had been waiting for him, waiting for him under a fig tree, which is interesting, under the shadow of death. That's often how that's pictured. But what was he doing there? It's kind of interesting that uh, Jesus calls him an Israelite, uh, uh, a true Israelite, one who is without deceit. Well, it turns out that it was a tradition to read the scriptures, read the word of God under a fig tree, under the shade of a fig tree. And you have them, Nathaniel pictured doing just that in our, on our bulletin for today. So in other words, he was accessing the word of God. He was waiting for the Messiah. Through the scriptures that had been given him, he knew the abyss of his sin, and he knew that he needed a savior. And he was waiting. He looked not into himself, into his own heart, into the psychological self and making it up as, as far as trying to figure it all out and pretending like he had figured it all out. He knew that he was in trouble, that he needed help, and he looked outside himself to the God who comes to us by his word. Where does he come to us? Where the word is. Huh. Samuel, that was kind of interesting, wasn't it? He was lying down where? In the temple of the Lord. Why was the temple of the Lord there? Well, that was where the Ark of God was. <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant, where the Word of God was. God speaks to us through His Word. Even here. And even now. And Nathaniel looked outside of himself for Jesus. He was waiting for him. And you know who knew he was waiting for him? Jesus. You know why Nathaniel had no deceit? Because he knew the enormity of his sin. He was honest about it. He had heard from God about it. The God who created him and who promised to redeem him. Jesus knows him. And he knows you too. He knows every last sin, every thought, every word, every deed, even the ones you don't know about. He sees everything. And before that scares you to death, and it ought to, every thought, word, or deed that you've ever considered or done, he knows all about that. And he knew it before coming into this world. It's why he came into the world. Jesus has come to bring us out of the abyss of sin and death. Out of it. He's come to reveal the identity of God, who God really is, and to make known who we are in Christ, that in him we live and move and have our being. Because we're from him too. Oh, we were, we were stolen from him by the lie of, of the evil one. But he has come to bring us back. He wants us with him. 
And Epiphany is all about that, right? Arise, shine, for your light has come. Light has come into the abyss. It scatters the darkness of sin and death. That's what Epiphany is all about. Epiphany makes known that Jesus is Lord, that he's God for all people, even the Gentiles. That's why the wise men worship him. He's God. We heard last week, God the Father said, yes, he's God. This is my son. With him, I'm well pleased. Today, you hear that he knows things that he couldn't possibly know, unless, of course, he was and is God. That's who he is. The light is turned on for us. And what happens as a result of that for us, as his spirit brings Christ into our hearts and into our lives, as he blows out the evil within us, the evil spirit within us, as he just did in holy baptism for little Lucas, what does he do? He, he replaces the old spirit, the, the evil spirit, with the good one, the spirit of God, with God himself who puts God with us to, to live with us so that God knows us. We become his children, children of God, and that makes a difference in our lives. So instead of being hateful, unhappy, conflicted, impatient, mean, selfish, deceitful, and uninhibited, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. As his word has its way in our lives, like it did for Nathaniel, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what God is doing among us through his word. That's why we sit under the fig tree, if you will, with a school. Eight hours a day, letting the word have its way in our children's lives so that the new life, this child has been made a child of God, so that he would continue to grow in his, his knowledge and understanding of who God is and how he loves him with everything he is and has and how he loves you with everything he is and has, how he's going to love him even when he doesn't listen to you, Liz and Anders. But you'll correct him and he'll repent and be forgiven and move forward, not just by you but by God as his word has its way with you as you continue to bring him into the services of God's house. Now, Jesus offered an open heaven along with its gifts as the greater things that he gave to Nathaniel and others. And today, he offers these greater things to you and me. What are they? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And with forgiveness, we are set free from what keeps us from God and each other. And we are reconciled with God and each other through the blessings of the cross, right? Life. A life that conquers even death. The life of Jesus Christ is blown into us. That cannot be snuffed out in death. Peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So as Jesus, the resurrected Lord, said, peace be with you to his disciples, he just said, peace be with you, Lucas. I'm now with you. I'm in this room with all of the blessings of heaven and the certain hope that because he lives, we live. It's not like I hope it doesn't snow again tomorrow, not knowing whether it will or won't. It's that Jesus has already given us a place in his house. 
a seat there for eternity. Jesus is the Son of God, and yes, he is the King of Israel, as Nathaniel confessed. And as such, he is really the only way to heaven. That's the reality. When he says you will see greater things than these, namely that you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he is referring to the Old Testament patriarch Jacob. Do you remember that dream of Jacob? In his dream, Jacob had seen the angels of God ascending and descending on a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. I, Jesus is saying, am that stairway that connects heaven and earth. It's why on the arch of the entrance here of Trinity, take a look at it when you come in next time, the words of Jacob are written. Words that we now confess in reference to this place, this place right here, where heaven and earth intersect. How? By the name and word of God. We say what he says. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Now you know. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.